Hey, listeners, a quick note on today's show. When I recorded this interview with Dr. Tim Brown, uh, there were some audio imperfections where the bandwidth was kicking in and out. And thankfully, our audio producer, she's amazing, Anna Quaza, she did a really nice job of knitting it back together. But I just want to emphasize that if there is any kind of glitchiness in the audio, that's on, on me, not Anna. And second, I really encourage you to forgive any kind of imperfections because the content of today's interview with Tim is incredible, especially if you've ever wanted to find the right recipe for taking your creativity and becoming an entrepreneur out of it. Uh, he's an inventor that I think might be in a category you've never thought of, but will have huge import in how you approach your work. This episode of Converge with my guest, Dr. Tim Brown, is sponsored by Go, the Converge Summit. Go is our annual gathering for creatives looking to maximize their markets. How much are you leaving on the table? For more information, check out ConvergeSummit.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things. And when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work, and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. When people think about invention of making things out of nothing, it's tempting to view inventors as mad scientists in their labs or people tinkering in their you know, workbench in the back. Well, my guest today, Dr. Tim Brown, came at invention an entirely different way, a surprising way, and a way that I think might inspire some of you guys. Uh, as someone who was very accomplished as an athlete and then later on as a professional in medicine, he found himself in conversations with professional surfers and professional beach volleyball players. And out of those conversations, out of paying attention to what was wanted and needed, he saw a gap and he took advantage of it. And he took advantage of it in such a way that it opened up massive opportunity for him, his family, and a lot less pain for those he created the tool for. So I think as you listen to today's conversation, what you're gonna discover is a great narrative, a cool story, but I hope more so that you'll maybe see an opportunity for you to look at your market and your world and see if there isn't a gap that you want to fill. You, you better be okay with the bottom line being, I gave this to the world and I made some people better. I, I made their lives better. And for that, you know, I can be proud. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. Tim Brown, thanks for coming on Converge. Hey, Dan, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. I, you know, offline, we had a chance to connect a little bit around a common passion, at least historic passion. I had the chance to play volleyball at a pretty high level, indoor and outdoor, and, and you did too. And we had some common friends in the professional ranks. But uh, talk a little bit about your your journey as someone who, I mean, you're, you're co-medical director of the Association for Surfing Professionals Championship Tour. You are deeply connected with the AVP or the Association of Volleyball Professionals and then athletes of every professional sport and rank. And you come at this from a sports chiropractic approach, but you invented this thing, this thing called IntelliSkin. And I'd love it if you could give us just a brief journey of how you got from athlete to medical professional 
to inventor of this pretty revolutionary product. Well, thanks, Dane. Um, well, yeah, as an athlete back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, you know, I was a football player in college, and it was all about just getting strong. And so the part about flexibility and the part about stability were very secondary. And so I found I was injured often, and I really couldn't figure out with the sports medicine team we had in college really what was creating these injuries. So I was always intrigued by the medical part of sports. And then um, I graduated from college and, and uh, actually taught high school my first year out. I taught biology and life science and coached football. And I loved the teaching part, but I really didn't uh, enjoy so much the structure that they put the teachers under. And uh, certainly that came along with a pretty small paycheck. So I figured out a way to perhaps allow myself to continue teaching, but to also live a lifestyle that would uh, really motivate me uh, and excite me. And that turned out to be sports medicine. So I applied to medical school. So I was pre-med in, in college as a minor. And uh, before I went to medical school, I met a guy that was actually a chiropractor. And he said, invited me to read an article. We were out surfing and he just said, hey, I know you're really into health and fitness and uh, eating well and all that stuff. He goes, I'm, I'm a chiropractor and that's kind of what we're into. And I, he goes, uh, I have this article in my car on a sports chiropractor. Why don't you come on out? And when we're done surfing, just stop by the car. I'll give you this article. And quite frankly, I, I took a look at the article and read the first sentence and I'd never been to a chiropractor, didn't have a background on what they were all about, but their philosophy was what really got me. And it really spoke to uh, that medicine, especially at that time, uh, was really into treating symptoms and really not interested in treating the whole person. Whereas chiropractic was all about, you know, finding out the cause, what is causing these symptoms and really focusing lifestyle changes on what could help not just to quell and reduce the symptoms, but really get to the cause of it. And so it really resonated with me because that's really what I was trying to find out when I was playing football and I was injured all the time. So that's how I got into chiropractic. And um, when I graduated, um, I certainly found out that I had to learn a ton to get to where I was because you got to pass those boards. But when you get out as a doctor into the real world, you find out very soon that you really don't know much. Hmm. And then there's the business end that you've got to also learn. And I often kid my friends that I miss that day in school when they went over business. I surrounded myself with every kind of doctor I could think of that I, I thought would be helpful for the athlete. So we had everybody from orthopedic surgeons to chiropractors, physical therapists, um, Eastern medicine specialists with acupuncture, uh, nutritionists and performance specialists all out there under the same tent with the same intention. And that's to help athletes learn about their bodies and, and teach them how to prevent injuries while we were helping them heal from their current injuries. So that became something that, you know, everything we do in life, let's face it, there's a lot of Machiavellian in, in all of us, and, and we all do things that are going to help ourselves out. Sure. But what, what I learned was that by helping, helping these athletes out, I was learning so much from these other professionals and learning how to kind of blend my education with their knowledge and their wisdom. And so it turned out to be an incredible experience for me for my first, say, 10, 12 years of practice, uh, traveling with... Uh, not only the volleyball tour, but the surfing tour at times as well, and learning from all these great professionals, as well as the athletes, because the athletes know their body, and especially at a professional level, yeah. 
So I got a tremendous lesson from all these athletes and from all these tremendous health professionals. And so it allowed me to take my knowledge and their knowledge and basically put it in a blender and start to come up with new techniques and new perspectives and new approaches to injuries that were really focused on movement problems that the athletes were having. Because our right side is never the same as our left side. In fact, it's almost the same as if you take a picture of the right side of your face and compare it to the left. It's almost two different people at times. And so that's the way our bodies work too. And so we really got into trying to figure out how we could gain symmetry in the body. It's a really big challenge because you're either right-handed or left-handed, Dane, and you're, you're using that side a lot. And you create these movement and muscle imbalances that indeed, over time, we learned really truly became the cause of these injuries. Mm. It's very rarely that area that's injured that caused the injury. It's usually poor movement over time that causes these problems. Uh, and so trying to figure out how to help these guys while they are competing is certainly a challenge. And by addressing it from a cause perspective as opposed to an effect perspective, we were able to really educate these athletes in a way that was kind of unique to professional sports. In fact, most professional sports these days now are multidisciplinary or ideally interdisciplinary. Multidisciplinary means they've got a lot of different uh, titles on the staff, but interdisciplinary really means that they're working together for the good of the athlete and communicating freely. Mm. So by putting these all this information uh, kind of into this blender and coming out with new ideas, one of the problems that we were faced with, Dane, was how do we tape these athletes when they're injured and they still, they still want to compete? And being in the water or being in the sand was indeed a challenge. These guys don't want to wear hardly anything anyways, let alone a big bulky, bulky brace or a, a really major tape job. So I started to kind of get this vision in my head of what it would be like to basically paint the anatomy on the body that was damaged. So what we were doing, we were trying to discover ways to mimic the anatomy that was injured on the inside of the body. We were only taking away that movement that was going to hurt them or, or limit their uh, ability to play. So initially, I was getting letters, Dane, from all types of doctors, because at that point in time, the AVP tour was on TV, on NBC, about every week. It was very, um, be became a very popular sport. Yeah. And so... The viewership, we're, wa we're watching these athletes play with this strange colored tape on them that we now know as kinesio tape here uh, that you see. You can't turn on a game without uh, right. uh, on any sport without these guys wearing this tape. So I developed a hybrid way of taping, utilizing that tape, which was from Japan, and then utilizing other tape. Uh, one was from England and one was from Germany uh, to mimic muscle, ligament, skin, and tendon. And so by basically putting these tapes on the surface and of the skin and pulling the skin together, much like mimicking a tear in a piece of paper uh, and pulling that tear together, that's what I was doing with injuries. I was knitting them back together with tape, but using very, very minimal amounts so that it would allow those players to continue to be able to move. Mm. And so um, you know, I'd be getting these letters, and I, I honestly at that time, Dane, had no idea why it was working. I just knew that it was working and that the lines outside the tent continued to grow every week because these guys wanted to get this special taping on their body so that they could compete and uh, play without pain. And then uh, over a period of the next couple of years, um, 
uh, one of the athletes, Sinjin Smith, who was world champion at that time, beach volleyball, said, hey, Tim, when are you just going to build me something so that I can put it on and take it off? And I don't have to keep bothering you or stand in this damn line every time I want to get taped. Uh, and, you know, I just thought, oh, my God, why didn't I think of that? And that night I woke up in the middle of the night, Dane, and took a wetsuit out of the closet, started cutting it up and used a hotel sewing kit and uh, sewed the first version of an intelligent second skin. We have about 20,000 nerve endings per ev on every square inch of our skin. And those nerve endings emanate from every tissue every organ that's on the inside of our body. So we basically read the world through our skin. And in fact, uh, I started reading about this doctor from Czechoslovakia named Vladimir Yanda, and he was a neurologist that specialized. He had polio as a kid, so he's really into to understanding rehabilitation. And he spoke about how therapists miss a great opportunity to help people heal by working on their skin first, uh, because he spoke of all the nerves in the skin and that the the nervous system literally travels at the speed of light through your body. So he said, "What? why would you want to miss that opportunity to stimulate the body uh, by just blowing through the skin and trying to get to the muscle, the tendon, the nerve, whatever it might be? So I really followed, you know, from, him, from then on, I became a convert of his teachings. You, you talked about this, this notion of observing problems, and in particular, the problems of uh, muscles being out of balance, I'm reminded of all the attention that's going on right now towards things like CrossFit and guys like Kelly Starrett with the Mobility Wad and Tim Ferriss is another kind of category. I don't know if any of these guys are familiar to you, but these guys, oh, are, absolutely. they're trying to like life hack their world and their bodies, really. And they're, they're looking at primary source material and, and what can they do to tweak and get the most out of it from a performance perspective, but do it in a way that's responsible and, and efficient. And I should also mention, this is probably long-winded preamble to my question, but for you guys who are uh -huh. listening, I approached Tim because I was a customer. Like I have been, I've been a notoriously poor posture my whole life. I've been an athlete, but for whatever reason, especially as a photographer, I just, I just have bad posture and my back feels weak after 12, 14 hours of work. And I thought I, I need to take this seriously. I'm in my forties. I'm going to blink and I'll be, I'll be a lot older. And it's critical that I get after this. So as I'm doing, uh, like I'm discovering CrossFit and other efforts, I'm realizing there really should be a more comprehensive approach to this. So I bought an IntelliSkin shirt. It works. It's fantastic. It's and I and and uh, the only thing I'm bummed on is it's just the beginning. I think I'm gonna have need, need an arsenal of them, but they're they're amazing. And what I'm struck by in it is somehow like the process of you getting to the point of of creating the thing. Uh, it really like in retrospect, it sounds like it was this like obvious aha, but really it was an extended period of time of looking at the problems and trying to get curious around, you know, if there was a solution and, and I, I appreciate you giving credit to Sinjin Smith uh, for being catalytic, but really it was a big setup. You, you were in the perfect position to hear his feedback to make that invention. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that notion of like following the symptoms down to the roots and then down to, you know, what are the problems to being solved? Is, is that been a life habit for you? Uh, do you see that in, you know, in colleagues who are also creating these cool interruptions to the marketplace? Talk a little bit about this problem solving as part of the inventor's uh, repertoire. 
Yeah, um, I think, again, you know, I, I'm not the brightest candle in the room, but I, I have pretty good uh, tenacity, Dane, and that's really kind of what allowed me to stay with this because uh, I've had a lot of ups and downs, as, as everyone does, that, that's trying to create some new technology and bring it to the world. And my, my goal is to really try and, as my dad instilled in me, try and leave the campground a little better place than I found it. And so that that's kind of been my driving force um, to keep me moving forward in this process and to, to learn business on the fly, you know, with all the bumps and the bruises and the uh, the unbelievable scenarios that we all go through when we're we're trying to create some nothing. Um, so my, my drive was, uh, again, you know, I, I health, I've been dedicated to health since a very early age. I got somehow picked off the beach to do some modeling when I was a, a young teenager. And, uh, you know, about that time, about 14, 15 years old, you know, you're starting to get zits and all that stuff. And I'm going, hey, this money's pretty easy to make. And I don't want to, you know, be the pimple faced kid. I'm not going to get many jobs here. So what can I do that would allow my body to give it the best shot, at, you know, looking as good as it can while I'm going through, uh, uh, you know, this adolescence thing. And I, I stumbled onto a Mike Douglas show and you have to be pretty old to remember that guy, <laughs> but he had a talk show and he had a lady on there that was, God had to be, you know, close to a hundred years old. She looked, but she was just, you know, she had fire in her eyes and her name was Adele Davis. And she was the first person that I ever, uh, ever really kind of got into that was into health and was into natural foods and eating organic and doing all these things. And she talked about, how radiant your skin becomes and so forth. So from that point on, I was really going, kind of looking at, instead of treating the effect by putting, uh, you know, Zet cream on, here's a chance where I can really get to the cause of this thing. And, you know, lo and behold, I had a pretty good break and, and uh, you know, the food really helped out a bunch and uh, the energy and the sidebar of not ever getting sick was really nice too. And so I became a kind of a convert into, into the why. You know, why do we get sick? Why do we get injured, et cetera? Mm. So I, I had that driving force in my mind long ago. And at that point, it was just a seedling. So I didn't know it could really actually grow into a tree. I just knew that what I was doing was something that was very positive, at least for myself at that time. And that that allowed me to kind of get the thrill about uh, of talking to others that were interested in this type of stuff that I had just an inkling more information on that were in my my peer group uh, that were also interested in performing better and you know and and eating well and so forth. So I kind of I, I like the way that felt, Dane, <laughs> and, yeah. and I wanted some more of it. So I think I've always since that time had that drive to figure out why. So it just kind of became I became a student of the body, and uh, you know, and unfortunately or fortunately. Uh, the more I learn about the body, Dane, the, the more I understand. I, I really don't know much about it, even though it's been my life's work. It's such an incredible machine, hmm. and I'm, I'm humbled by it. So it drives me further to recognize that, hey, I'm never going to outsmart the body. Really do my best to understand it and learn how to work with it in the best way possible. Hmm. So that's kind of really, um, you know, that's a, a very generalized way of answering a, maybe a more specific question than you had, but I think that's that's kind of how it turned out. I love that actually. And, and it, that last part in particular around, you know, being a student of the body for such a long period of time, but still seeing more opportunity that, you know, that old adage of, you know, the more, you know, the more questions you have and so forth yeah. that, that I, I love that mentality. Cause again, speaking to creatives, 
that's the mindset that they need to have. If they think they're the expert, they know it all, and they don't take on that beginner's posture regularly, even if they are skilled, they're really going to be at a disadvantage compared to the ones who decide they're going to be curious. And I, I, I wonder if if you view yourself, and by the way, this is not a seated question. I don't need an answer in this way, but do you view yourself as a creative professional? Uh, I do. I think, uh, because I'm, I'm asked to speak a lot, uh, about, um, you know, how I apply these innovations to the body and, and I'm asked to speak about it with, to the layman as well as to professionals. I guess I have a bit of it in me. You know, I, I, I always enjoyed the creative side of anything. I like creating something that wasn't there before, whether it's a, a word or a, a tune or uh, or something that's physical. Um, I, I get a thrill out of that for some reason. Hmm. And and the the tension you talked about earlier too around creating and the and the business side of it. So you know you're an athlete, you're you're observing problems, you're coming up with solutions, you're getting creative in your experimentation, and you get a couple of hits as you go through it. And in the middle of all that, you have to figure out how to how to sell this stuff. Um, talk a little bit about your journey, because I mean, now Intelliskin is a it's a big deal. It's a it's a big company, and there's a lot of units going out the door, a lot of interest from around the world, especially as these athletes, like you say, are kind of putting these things on display. Major athletes are at ambassadors for you guys. How do you go from beach bum playing sports and forgive the, uh, I, I know you can receive that in a, in the best possible. <laughs> in fact, you might even feel that that's more affirmation than not, but oh, to, absolutely. To, to go from that to, to being the founder of, of a pretty big deal. Talk about the, the learning curve of taking the business side of things seriously. Oh, wow. Well, that's, you know, analogous to a boxing match. There's some rounds that go very well and some rounds you get your ass kicked and, uh, and, and you, you've, you've got to be able to, you know, either be absolutely out of your mind, which, you know, jury's still out on me, but, uh, you, you have to just know that that's part of it. You're going to take lickens and especially as a creator, you know, especially on this last round of, of ideas that I've had that I've brought into fruition, um, you find that when people come in and they want to join your company and the bigger money people probably uh, more so, you find that your value tends to really drop a lot, especially in their minds uh, as a creator. In fact, in most big companies, you'll find the first person that goes when the company begins to scale is the innovator. Uh, and I've heard that from businessmen I respect and certainly from attorneys that I've paid that uh, that this is extremely common. So that's the very hard part. And I think it speaks to something simple in the sense that, man, you better be into it for the love of it. Unless you've really got great business wisdom, which can only come from experience, it's very difficult not to feel that. If not throughout your whole inventive career, then certainly a, a large part of it until you can get on your feet and understand that it's a wicked world out there. Um, there are people out there that look for people like me and they love to exploit them. And, you know, it's nobody's fault but my own for the trials and tribulations that I've been through. A lot of bumps and bruises. And so I guess the bottom line is it really it really comes down to, you, to, you know, one, do you really, truly, truly believe in what you're doing? And two, is it worth it for you to come out with something 
And, you know, this may sound a little bit too idealistic because it, it sounds like it, even though I'm just thinking it in my head right now, is that you, you better be okay with the bottom line being, I gave this to the world and I made some people better. I, mm. I made their lives better. And for that, you know, I can be proud. That's what I'm going in with as my minimum takeaway from this. Uh, my goal, of course, is to be financially sound in, in the way where I'm financially secure and then have financial freedom. Because again, uh, as you mentioned before, beach bum, it fits me just fine. I'm okay with that. <laughs> so ultimately, that's what I'd like to get back to. And being a beach bum, you know, I, I was never lazy at it because uh, I was always motivated for something uh, to do. And and I guess being a beach bum to me would be to have that financial security and that financial freedom to be able to continue to create at my own pace. Because for some reason, Dane, I got a lot of music in my head and I need to get it out. As you're describing that, I, I was just picturing so many creative professionals in so many different industries who who maybe are, they could be in that stage at the beginning. You know, you know there's, I always talk about the, I, I actually tried to find the source of this little quip a while back and I couldn't find it. It was anonymous. But the idea of going at the beginning, everyone's kind of in that stage of being unconsciously incompetent, like they're doing something and they don't, they don't know they're how bad they are and then they move yeah. for, they move from there to becoming kind of sophomore year in college like me on a dance right well you and me both man so then they become consciously <laughs> they become consciously incompetent like they know they're bad and then they go they become unconsciously competent and then they become consciously competent and that seems like that's the steady progression in every field mm. and and as i'm as i'm hearing you describe your situation i'm thinking about the listeners and they're, they're trying to make something and get value out of that, both for themselves. I love, love, love that you created a baseline of, yeah, if I just made the world a better place because of the contribution I made, that's a delta. That's a plus. But to not be subtle, like, and you want more than that. You want both for yourself and for others, for your family and, you know, those you're responsible for, that you want to set set things up. So how, how important is it? Because in your case, you know, you're right. The pioneer often are the ones who get copycatted and or you know modestly improved on and then all of a sudden there's like this this um it feel it can feel from a creative's perspective like you're getting robbed and and in some cases you are in other cases in truth you you didn't really it might have just been a good idea that somebody else came and did something with so so given all that as a background and given that people are in a somewhere in the bell curve of a value proposition that they're that what they're bringing to the table um, what advice would you give to someone who, I guess, maybe we'll think about those four stages. Like they stumbled onto a good idea and they don't want to be an idiot with it when it comes to business. What would you say to that person compared to say someone who maybe is in stage like two or three where they're like, they're actually there. They know they're making some kind of a contribution to the table, but they don't have that business experience. And maybe the third option would be, yeah, they, they have business. Actually, the third one doesn't need any help because they're already competent and they know it. So I guess it's just those two, those two archetypes. The one where they're making, they invented something, they want to bring it to market, but they don't want to get, they know that their contribution is modest in contrast with the person who knows, no, their contribution is significant, like in your situation, but they want to both protect themselves and also maximize the opportunity. It's a huge question, but I'm wondering if you have a, a nugget or two of insight on it. Um, I really believe, you know, just like in, in uh, when I'm treating someone, I, I, I recommend that they form a medicine wheel around themselves. And, and by that, I mean having different specialists around that particular person that can help, whether they've got a 
you know, they've got a, a nutritional problem or a, a physical problem or a, an emotional problem, that they have all different specialists that, that fit their philosophical needs for medical care. Well, I believe it's the same thing for someone that's a, an entrepreneur or someone that's in business. You need to surround yourself with a business wheel. And the spokes in that business wheel are made up of all different types of professional specialists that have more experience than you and hopefully are smarter than you because that's where wisdom comes from, experience. You can't get wisdom out of a book and you can read till the cows come home, but you're never gonna experience being a true entrepreneur until you're out there getting your knees skinned and your head your head banged against the wall a few times uh, because that's basically the recipe towards success. And uh, by having these people around you to help and advise you and guide you and show you or shine the light on the path that you yourself must walk until you have that team together, you're walking in peril. You really, I believe, need to humble yourself and and surround yourself with those types of people. And and I also believe that those people are out there and they're out there in numbers and they love people that are entrepreneurs. They love people that have spirit and drive and fortitude and have a plan or a vision um, that they can help add their expertise to because basically you're the engine, you're the thing that's moving. And what they're doing is jumping on and getting a ride for a little while and getting a, a bit of a rush because they're able to help you out and say, no, you should turn down this track, not the one on the left, the one on the right. Uh, that gives them a tremendous sense of satisfaction. And look what the, the time, the energy, the money, and uh, the spirit that it could save you as an entrepreneur or a young business person. So I'm all about having everyone form kind of a business wheel around them. And you're, you're in the middle, you're the hub, you're the, you're the hub, but they're the spokes. And those spokes can add a tremendous amount of support and suspension to your ride. Dr. Tim Brown, thank you so much for being on Converge. I know you're inspiring a lot of people. And uh, if you guys are interested in finding out more about IntelliSkin, go to IntelliSkin.net. Fantastic product. Ping me if you have any questions about it. I'm a user. Uh, and I mean user in in like uh, probably the worst possible sense, like a Breaking Bad kind of way, because I wear it every day. <laughs> Uh, and it is, it really is making a huge difference and, uh, and you're making a huge difference, Tim. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, thanks buddy. And, and Dane, stand tall, live strong. This was episode 034 of Converge, the business of creativity podcast. Convergepodcast.com is our home where you'll find all of our past episodes. Convergesummit.com is our annual gathering for creatives looking to maximize their markets. How much are you leaving on the table? Music today provided by TripleSkinMusic.com. Sound as good as you look. Thanks to Anna Quaza at acreative.co for her audio production. And a special thanks to Dr. Tim for being with us. Check his creations out at IntelliSkin.net. As usual, I want to thank you for spreading the word about the show. Or if you like what's here and you haven't shared it with a friend, would you consider it? Maybe ask one person who you think would benefit and invite them in. When you leave questions and comments on the site and rate us on places like iTunes, we recognize that you taking the time to do that is a really big deal, and we're grateful. That's it for now. I'm Dan Sanders. I cannot wait 